Do you aspire to become a responsible leader? How do you see yourself now as a young man? Learning from challenges is one thing, but getting opportunities is another. If you're a young man who wants to learn about personal growth, life lessons, and leadership, tune in to Essential 11, shaping leaders among leaders. Huge thank you for being here with all of these amazing well, Thank experiences. you. Thank you, guys. Thank you for inviting me. This is fantastic. I'm, I'm watching your podcast, guys, and I never even dreamed that I would be invited to it. So I appreciate uh, it. Well, no, the honor is absolutely on this side. You know, we get to have the most amazing humans on the planet, right? And and we start out and we usually have this conversation. There are very few men that come on and the first thing that just comes out of me is I just want to I just want to say thank you and you are one of those men. Uh, I want to say thank you to who you are and not just and I say just in quotes for your service and the way you have served this country and the way you show up as a you know as a husband and father but the way that you are vocal around all of it and get so many people to move and take action and to think and to change their perspective. It's a big deal. So before we even start on anything, I just, I want you to have that, uh, that thank you from us. Oh, guys, thank you so much. It's honored to be here. <laughs> I appreciate yes, sir. It. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Um, so if you don't mind, what we'll do is, is I want to kind of just hit a few high level things and have a conversation. I want to make sure just in case if any of the guys live here don't have the full backstory, I want to make sure they get that. This goes out to, you know, six-figure audience every episode. I want to make sure they've got some background. And then these handsome devils on here will ask you all the good questions, if that's okay for the hour. Oh, so, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, beautiful, man. So um, I, I always like to start because this is different. You've got one of those bios that's like out of a movie, right? And then I would, I, I wouldn't be a... Honestly, it wouldn't be a bad thing to sit and read that, but I would, you know, you don't want to hear that. I, so I want to hear who does Mr. Zarin say that he is? What's your description of you? Let's start there. Okay. We can dive into some yeah. of that backstory. So, how I would describe myself? Yes, fierce American, American, not a hyphen in front of this American, just plain American, very proud. And fierce American, yes. Uh, it's one of the things that I remember here, and I don't remember where I heard you say it, but I remember hearing you say that because somebody said something about being a Polish American. You says you said I'm not a Polish American. There is no there's hyphen. no such thing. Yeah, you either American no or not. You either American Absolutely. or. So I want to get so I, if that doesn't if that's not a mic drop right there for you, gents, right at the very beginning, I really don't know what is, right? Uh, he. I love the way you've identified with that and the story behind the identity. One of the things you said was, I promised when I became an American, I promised to be the best citizen that I could be. Yes, please remember that everything I have, everything I own, my even identity, I owe to America and American people. So uh, absolutely, this is something that you can never never repay no matter how hard you try so very often people tell me say hey thank you for your service i say well i think this is the other way around uh, i wanted to say thank you for my freedom so that's that's the way i look at it yeah you are um a man after our own heart do you mind given i know you've told this story a million times but do you mind um just for any listeners who may not know your story yet and by the end we want to make sure everybody knows 
who you are and what you're doing and where we can follow along. We want to talk about the book. Um, I want to talk anything that we can do to help you, the foundation. Um, but would you mind giving someone of that that overview of where you came to this concept of like, no, I want to thank thank you for your freedom. Will you take us back to to growing up in Poland underneath a, a you know in a communist family? Correct. Yes. Uh, so I just would like to uh, add to it that the book that you mentioned, The Pledge to America. I described it in more details, but um, yes, I was born, uh, please remember, 15 years after Second World War. Mm -hmm. So there was a different society that we have today. It's a different society in Poland nowadays than it was then. Uh, there was 15 years after Second World War, so the violence, the war was still in people's psyches, and it was still in people's mind. So the society was a little bit different. There was also more violent and uh, I'm not saying it was bad. It was not bad for me, but uh, I, the the things that I have done or the things that was no that were normal in that society then, 15 years after Second World War, are not acceptable today and would never it should never happen. But that was the, it was the, the way it was. So yes, I was born in 1960s, early 1960s, and. To uh, family, my father was hard and hardcore communist. My mother was a Christian, and they always the, the faith and uh, and the communist reality always collide. My father was very concerned, very concerned about his future in communist party. He was really afraid that he can lose his job if we go to church, for example or if we manifest uh, uh, our uh, christian values so for uh, so that that was just uh, the bone of contention between my parents eventually they got divorced but i tell you that uh, it, 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 uh, first thing the poland was never communist country nor poland nor czechoslovakia nor east germany not even soviet union were ever communist country countries they were socialist states run by communists mm -hmm. i'm saying this because today i see a lot of enamoration with socialism like how great it is and uh, no socialism is not great it's an evil system and eventually people end up in the, uh, living the system just like they live in venezuela cuba cambodia uh, uh, before or uh, uh, or north korea so uh, that, that has to be clear. Uh, in Poland or Soviet Union or in Czechoslovakia, East Germany, Romania, Bulgaria, uh, people could have a business. The only thing that all the resources and the major businesses, like economic side, was controlled by communists or mm. socialists, whatever they want to call themselves. And of course, if you were an inconvenient citizen, they will shut you down. Mm -hmm. And this is what happened in my family. Uh, the life was pretty good when my father was with us. He was a communist. Uh, he was respected in Communist Party, and uh, he was uh, feared by uh, people around. So, but you know, if you, so we had everything we could have, um, uh, like what we, we could dream of. But our dreams were not very big at the time because we, we regardless, we're all we are poor by today's standard. By American standards, no matter if you are a Communist Party member or not, you are still poor. Sure. But for the for Poland uh, uh, realities, you are not that poor if you if you belong to Communist Party or somebody in your family 
belonged to Communist Party and was able to uh, provide. So with my father, there was nothing wrong. There, there, not, nothing wrong, nothing bad right. happened to us. Right. Uh, we had food. Uh, father protected us for like if, if we did some stupid things, like I burned the Whitfield, yeah. uh, one of my neighbors, because we were baking potatoes in the fire and didn't want anybody to see it. So we just wandered into the middle of that field, stumped some place out and said, put some sticks and start fire, start baking potatoes. By the time we looked, the field was gone. Oh, no. So, of course, the neighbors uh, called for uh, police and uh, police, of course, that my father just sent them away. And then secret police show up on my neighbor's doors and told them to forget everything. This is how it works in socialist state. If you have a friends, if you have if you so if you have people belonging to that communist socialist cabal, you are pretty much immune to the law. Mm. So and another thing, when I burn another neighbor's motorcycle, we're just playing with fire and set his motorcycle ablaze and burn it to the, to the completely. Uh, same thing, you know. This is just secret police show up and told them not to, to just no. shut up, not to complain about it. So, uh, well, my father left when I had seven years. Uh, when I was seven years old, I have a younger uh, siblings too, and uh, then the life. Then I realized what is the real life in socialist state. Got it. Because that that was the. That was the question for me is, is when you see this and you, and you see um, your father as a part of this communist party and partially because of that, nothing bad is happening to your family. That was my next question was, well, what was the turning point for you in seeing that, well, that this is still not okay, but it was after he, it was after he was no longer there. That you started to realize the down the downside of all of this. Well, kind of yes, because uh, when when he was there, I didn't know any difference. I thought this is the way everything works. Right. I thought that that's the way everything is. Please remember, I was six, five, I was five, six, and seven years old before he left. So we pretty much get everything, food we were able to get from the special stores were my uh, only accessible to communist party member in the government uh, or even from his workplace where there were cooks, chefs, cooking food for for, for uh, party members, for apparat chicks like my father and for their family. We just show up in the uh, in their cafeteria with, with the pads and like special pads <laughs> to carry stuff. Yeah. They loaded it up for the entire family. We were, we were just going home with it. Or eat uh, up there. So, yeah. But when he left, yeah, that was that, that was different. Then we realized that, well, there there are lines for bread. Sometimes you, if you are not fast enough, don't get up early enough. Mm-hmm. By the time you made to the end of the line, there is no bread. Everything was sold out. So you go hungry. Um, initially, we were a little bit complaining, like mom, like, mom, we are hungry. We want to eat. I remember mom cried, my mother cried, but really there was nothing she could do. And um, then we got used to it. Then I thought, this is the new normal. So it really did not bother me a lot, especially we learned how to deal with it very quickly. My uh, younger brother, he learned how to make French fries. So he was just cooking some stuff up there. I never never took like to, to it. So I never ate that. My uh, And there was nothing 
basically he did it for himself, maybe then my sister could share it. My sister was doing something else. So I was the oldest in the family. I've very quickly figured out that uh, some of the my colleagues from my class in school, it was like first, second grade, uh, they bring home to school the sandwiches uh, the, as I used to eat them, as I used to have them. Mm-hmm. Now I had a, a bread sprinkled with sugar and poured a little bit of water on it. Sometimes the tea, if it was good, Oh God, if there was a sour cream with the sour cream and sprinkled with sugar, that was like, that was awesome. No, I still like the bread with the sour cream and sugar. <laughs> just just bring the, like the nostalgia a, of it all, huh? Yeah, it was so delicious at the time for us. But I figured out, you know, these guys are bringing like ham. So we have had maybe, if mom was able to obtain one for Christmas, usually she did. So Christmas was like I remember, full of bread and ham and and tea. So, but but you know, in normal days we didn't. So I very quickly uh, realized that these rich kids, these sons, children of communist party members, they have so much of it they can share it. So I remember the first. I just wanted to try how it tastes, just to remember what I used to eat. Yeah. So I grabbed the, that sandwich from the kid's hand. I ripped it apart and say, you have half, I have half. No. And then I, I really liked it. I said, this, this is so good. So I tell you what, tomorrow you're going to bring two sandwiches. One before me, one before you. He didn't protest a lot. He just complained like, what if mom doesn't have him, doesn't give it to him too? I said, well, tell her that you're growing. You need to eat bigger. You need to eat more because you're growing bigger. But if you bring just one, then oh, sorry about that. I'm, I'm taking it. I'm, I'm, taking, to eat. I'm taking your sandwich. Uh, yeah, I didn't take much coercion. The the the, the kid brought the sandwich, uh, two sandwiches, and uh, sure that from then on, I could actually after maybe a couple months, I could tell my mother that don't worry about me, I don't really need the sandwiches. You don't have to make the uh, bread for me. Well, I. I have to be careful because if my mother would find out that I'm extorting sandwiches from those little commies, I think I would be, oh, I would be beat up in pulp to pulp. I would have to go and apologize to these kids. And most likely she would make me sell uh, the, uh, uh, like the papers, old magazines Mm. uh, for recycling and pay this kid back for every sandwich I I got him. My mother would not tolerate it. But you know what? That time I, I was what seven, eight years old kid. I was not, maybe not the best student at the same time. So I definitely helped myself to other people's sandwiches, other kids' sandwiches. You know, I hear sometimes people say, "Well, these kids were didn't do anything wrong. Well, that was bad. That what you like? What I did was awful." I agree with it, uh, but that was the reality of life in yeah. socialist state. Yeah. So this is the way I was. I'm not glorifying it. I'm just telling you how I survived. Right. And um, and yeah, you know. But you know, they they it's they didn't hurt much because they had, they could have a ten of these sandwiches. Yeah. And I, I knew it because my father was communist, and I had that before. That's the so I just that's I, a perspective. Yeah, I just en- en- enticed them to bring me sandwiches. And I tell you this: when I was uh, at the time. Again, there was a socialist state after Second World War. And 
we uh, I didn't I thought I was kind of poor but it never bothered me you know for me it was just a reality I didn't think people were richer than I was except these communist party member uh, kids but most of them I thought they were like me kind of poor well I was wrong uh, poor people they were really poor and I give you an example I didn't know it I started realizing it later maybe it was like second grade maybe third grade uh, second grade, I was bullied at the time, and uh, I used to pick on like one small skinny kid, and I, I call him awful names. Entire class did that, and I was just like the one of these bastards giving this kid hard time. Not only him, but him I remember the most, and I really feel uh, today so much remorse about it. Uh, but at the time. Uh, one time, because uh, I have to take the bus, I was seven years old, so I had to take a bus and uh, uh, ride it across town. So I had to make like three changes and uh, to, to my home. So the bus took off and I, I didn't make it to the bus. So I just working with this kid, I always beat up or I was uh, uh, mean to him. And uh, he said, well, I need to go here because I'm leaving here. I said, well, can I take a look? Just I was curious. Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, sure. So, you know, it still brings me to tears sometimes when I think about it. So we walked up there and this poor kid, uh, and we also noticed that he brings only one, uh, uh, he had one clothes, one set of clothes. Uh, most of us did, but his clothes were not washed often. So well, I just said, well, okay, well, let's go hang out. Let's see. And so I walked up there. It was like old uh, pre-Second World War building almost ruined. Uh, people lived in it. He lived on the first floor. And I walked to his uh, room. There was room, that, that his house, his, his, his home was just a room, small room with one bed and mattress, one table and one chair and one sink like we have today in the locker rooms for the, for the uh, uh, janitors when they wash their maps and stuff. So I'm kind of curious. I say, on the, there was no food. There was even no place to keep the food. But there was a one plate. Uh, I mean, yeah, there was one plate and one plate to another one that was like the ashtray full of uh, old cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I asked him, like, where, 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 do you, where do you eat? He said, I'm here at the, at the table. Like, so where is your mom sitting? I sit on her lap, so sometimes I stay. Or sometimes mom let me sit and she stays. And we, uh, and we just like, what is your plate? He said, this right here. We just eat, eat together. Okay. Where do you sleep? I see one bed. Well, I sleep with my mom. Uh, Where's your mom? Or oh, she was, she'll be like around 8 p.m. back. So then I was just like thinking, Mm-mm. that's, that's, David even shook me being seven, eight years old and seeing this and hearing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really, start it made me think and i think that turned me around at this aspect i remember we went back and i do not allow other kids to pig on him yeah and also then i noticed i noticed that before but then i was since after that visit his place i was paying attention i see a lot of kids having their uh, uh sandwiches eating in the corners or hiding or just like eating, you know, sitting on the bench and like nobody sees they get a bite of it. And uh, so I, I realized that they just didn't want to show that they are poor. 
and they, they don't they don't have any food or they have very little food with nothing on it uh, on that sandwich or whatever they brought uh, oh, sometimes just the apple or something so uh, for that kid I say I, I, that I, I'm sure that nobody touched him mm -hmm. I found another Communist Party member uh, kid and I told him that he needs to bring two sandwiches and one will be for that kid one will be he will eat but if he brings only one that kid is going to eat he's not going to eat and uh, well I didn't have much resistance at that time I think a lot of kids were kind of afraid of me too yeah and not if they was like really big or uh, violent uh I'm, I'm maybe because I didn't have a fear of people and on yeah. the top of it my mom was a teacher so I think I'm an I thought that I'm untouchable. Yeah, a little bit. Of, and, yeah, um, she had a little bit of power. So from then on, he had he had always sandwich too. He he, he always had the second uh, uh, breakfast. Is how we call it in Poland. And um, the only thing I think I, I almost got caught one time. It was a little commie commie bastard, uh, really real shithead. And uh, I remember I did the same thing. I said, "Yeah, you're gonna bring two sandwiches." So he went and complained to parents, and parents show up at school. And they, they they actually were determined to find who is extorting sandwiches from uh, their son. But well, I got the wind of it earlier. So I dragged this uh, shithead to the uh, uh, bathroom and uh, offhand explained to him very quickly that this if he snatches, then it's going to be trouble. He, he's not going to last long. <laughs> uh, he agreed with me very quickly and <laughs> decided to not recognize me. <laughs> but his parents were so determined that they went through he, he figured out that um we all actually in the class figured out that maybe somebody from the older class was trying to steal his sandwiches yeah, and so they went through entire school every single class and tried to identify the sandwich thief which, Man. that was me but so they didn't find him but they never gave him two sandwiches so they always give him one sandwich one. to school what they didn't know is that that shit had, had ate only half of the sandwich. The yeah. other one was the other other kid had it. That one was already kind of like a Robin Hood. Man. But again, <laughs> these are the realities of socialist right. state. It is not as bad. Still, it was not as bad maybe as in today in Venezuela or Cuba. But what, 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 there is no socialist state but where people can live in prosperity That's and right. i'm saying this because i'm here very often uh some of like less educated people uh that well socialism is just the government government pay for schools the government pays for the roads the police the firefighters well that's pretty dumb way to think because by this standard even morocco and pakistan would be socialist state in Saudi Arabia would have to be called socialist state, which mm -hmm. we know they aren't. So this is just basically this the 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 way some of those ideologues try to explain to less witty people that socialism is great because this is all it is about. Well, this is not really. There's only a small part of it, but the control of society, the prison full of political prisoners and political assassinations and murders those are the standard for socialist state that's right and and you know dang well what that looks like as this sheepdog pattern and you continue to to uh kind of kind of perpetuate you ended up speaking out in a way that got you in severe political trouble while you were there 
What, what, right. What, I spent. What um, uh, I was sentenced to three years prison time and loss of my uh, rights uh, because I decided to speak up, and especially during the martial law that socialists and communists like my father imposed in 1981. Uh, so I decided to speak up. I decided to print uh, bulletins, like in newspapers, more like leaflets by today's yeah. standard, uh, outside of the government censorships. So basically, the government had no control what we print. And what we print was actually exposing their actions, their uh, their evil ways. So, yes, we were arrested and uh and I was sent to political prison for three years. Uh, that was the prison sentence. I didn't spend all three years because amnesty for political prisoners. But at that time, um, yeah. So that's that's how how I eventually end up in America, and uh, that's where I am here today. Um, but please remember that the 1981 that martial law imposed by socialists. Uh, communist government in socialist Poland at the time, um, that was planned for years, for a long time. There were already lists made of people to be arrested. So when they posed Marshall on December 13, 1981, Poland, in one night, in one sweep across entire Poland, thousands of people were arrested. And that was just the first wave. They were not called prisoners. They were called internees. The way it was explained to society was that, well, these people were not necessarily committed crimes, so they are not charged with anything. They are not arrested. They are just interned in the internment camps. Mm -hmm. But the, we did that. That's the, this is how they explained. Uh, because we wanted to protect these people from themselves. Mm -hmm. We wanted to protect society from these people who could be potentially dangerous. So basically what they were saying is you didn't commit any crime, but uh, we think you could, you, you are not sympathize, you are not our sympathizer. So we put you just in jail in the detainment center so you can just sit there until we just deem that yeah the, the situation is outside is safe to we let you go but so basically you are locked up indefinitely until the government decides when to let you go so that was uh, that is one of the aspects of socialism and i just want to make another point here whether this is adolf hitler socialism national socialism or whether this is socialism like my father was trying to build in poland they called it democratic socialism. Mm -hmm. uh, whether this is Joseph Stalin socialism, Fidel Castro socialism, or Maduro socialism, they all have many things in common. First, political prisoners, uh, censorship, eventually political assassinations and murders, and also uh, the uh, persecution of political opponents. So whether this is uh, Adolf Hitler's Germany, Joseph Stalin, Soviet Union, uh, Gomulkas and, and Edward Gerichs, or my father's socialist Poland, uh, Maduro's Venezuela or uh, Castro's Cuba, they all have these things in common that we need to understand because those people who are clamoring for a little bit socialism, this is what they are asking for.
Unbelievable. So do you see, I mean, I'm, I'm super here and gentlemen, I know you guys have hands up, so I'm going to grab you guys here too. Cause I want you guys to be able to jump in and, and uh, be able to talk with this man. Um, do you, are you seeing some things right now in this country? I shouldn't even, that that's, that's a ridiculous question. What are the things that you see that are happening right now in America that are giving you the most concern when you're laying this out? Uh got that experience i think the most something that really scares me uh tonight is uh are the political prisoners kept by democratic party in washington dc yeah. these people are still didn't even see the judge i think they still or they, they were still they, some of them i believe they are not being charged with anything yeah. this is unheard of even in communist uh, in the socialist soviet union of joseph stalin where people were actually very promptly sentenced to prison and sent sent on the way to gulags. Yeah. Um, here we have what almost two years people sitting without uh, without anything. That's that should be a big warning side that there is a group of people, a treasonous treasonous elements in America, who try to turn our country into totalitarian system. Because yes, it, if you do. Uh, have and control country uh, the totalitarian government is basically it is impossible to unseat these uh, uh, parasites mm -hmm. uh, that's once they get in just like in soviet union poland east germany romania bulgaria they will set the laws that will marginalize and that will criminalize any opposition and my concern is that uh that 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 were concerned, we must make sure that we don't allow this to happen in our country, that all these leeches and parasites are re removed from the government. And we need to make sure that uh, we have a legitimate elections, because this is another aspect of every socialist state mm. uh, that exists, the fraudulent, fraudulent elections. Uh, please remember in Poland, how do you think these communist parasites like my father held on to power, not because people they like it, they liked it people would hang these bastards from the Lateran posts for the first second they would have a chance no, they were they kept themselves at power because the fraudulent elections and the law that criminalized any opposition so those are my concern another thing is censorship I mean, I was being censored on Facebook and think about it, you know, I'm a veteran. You guys are very, most people are veterans here in this country. A lot of people are veterans. Ah. They are being censored. They censor our president. When the, now, when you have a Hezbollah, Hamas, and other terror organization in cahoots uh, spreading their hate through uh, the social media, the same social media that censor our president. Mm -hmm. the, the, are they American social medias or they are, uh, the, the, or they are American haters? social media this is this is disturbing for me that censorship is very disturbing and yeah. i was censored every time on facebook uh, before i don't see it maybe at this point now but uh, every time i mention anything about socialist state how socialism worked in poland yeah facebook shut down my account yep and they and same linkedin so that's my concern that i yeah. think there are some people uh, that try to push this our country into direction of totalitarianism that they can control 
the narrative, they can control the uh, 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 the country resources and people, and then they they you know, once they bottle themselves into the system, you can't dig them out. You know, it's easy to vote yourself into socialism, and uh, I wouldn't say communism because this is impossible even to implement. But you can vote yourself in a socialist, but most likely we'll have to shoot your way out of it. Mm. Oh, powerful. Powerful. G, mm. let's get you in here, sir. We need to be careful. Again, uh, our country, our beautiful, great America is not socialist state. I'm saying this because I lived in socialist state. I see the warning side and signs and I don't want our country to end up as a totalitarian uh, uh, murderers, a perverted system. And okay. we must, uh, President Reagan say that, say that he understood it very well when he said that the freedom is generation, only generation away from being taken, right. taken away from us. That's exactly we need to protect right. it. We need to fight for it. That's exactly right. And we need to be outspoken. And there's so many, and I and I'm I'm interested too, and, and I want to get G, I want to get your call. I'm interested on on that fight in particular, because I think there's there's a number of different fronts that we're fighting on. I think the education system is one of those areas. Um that we're, you know, obviously Tim and I with the schools and so many of these men here, you know, is building the schools to help educate our younger generation so that we go far away from that. These men here showing up as the husbands and the fathers, there's a fight there, there's the political fight, there's the you know, I think there's so many ways. So I, I want to. I definitely want to hear um, your take on on how we fight and how we fight uh, effectively. Um, and I think we need to dive into that. G, I want to get your question, sir. What do you got going yeah. on? Yeah, you know, you know, it's it's funny that you that you actually say that because that's exactly kind of where I was going with, with yeah. my question. Uh, my question actually comes, Mr. Drago, sir. Thank you so much for for joining us today and and giving us of your time. Yes, thank you. uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, this is actually a question that came from one of our brothers that couldn't make it tonight. Um, his name is Brian Hunt, uh, and he's asking that question in terms of how do we push back, right? Like, how do we push back and how do we prepare our families? Uh, for where it seems the world is heading or where it seems the the country might be heading, you know, with the things that we've already seen and in, in with the current administration and even in the, the previous administration, all the, you know, all the fighting, the political fights and not that kind of thing. And um, and, and where, you know, where is the fight? Like, how, how do we push back against that is, is the question, really? Yep. So how we defend ourselves, how we push back and how we protect the freedoms that we have. Yes, sir. Um, I think. The most important thing, this is what the, 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 the socialist Marxist goons are after, are our families, our faith, and our patriotism. Uh, please take a look at the attacks now on our family, on our even common sense, where the children are being pushed into the, uh, the, the transgender ideology, being told about, you know, 70 to genders, I mean, you have to be out of your mind even to, to consider something like this, but it is happening. Well, you see, um, to, for socialists and communists, for Marxists, for all these perverts to succeed, they need to dismantle our, uh, uh, our moral values. That's what they are after. Um, See, this is something what is not very well understood here in America among our citizens, but well understood in 
former communist socialist countries run by communists like my father is so-called relative morality. Relative morality, uh, my see, my mother called it relative morality. My father just cited the scientific morality. So relative morality is where you do not, that your morality is not based, it's not anchored well in something that is immutable in your faith or something that you just do change from, from like, like, like the pair of gloves. It is based in politician, politician's view. And this is very dangerous because when you take a look back, uh, 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 if in the last century, what happened when, when in 1932, people subscribed to Adolf Hitler's socialism. So uh, we need to remember that because uh, uh, when what happened to this most civilized nation in Europe at that time, Germany, where they accepted euthanasia, for example, euthanize, euthanize, euthanizing people, handicapped people, or people with some infirmities. Uh, what happened when they start exterminating entire nation? I'm talking about the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe not everybody subscribed, but many did, or turned a blind eye on it. To, to, towards it. So this is what happened when your morality is not based in your faith, but is in, it's not solidly anchored, but it's just based in its polit political ideology or political view. So we need to be aware of this. This is the first thing. Two, uh, we need to remember about the process so-called desensitization and uh, uh, normalization. Here, people don't understand and don't even know what it means. Basically, what it means is they understand, our enemies understand that it's hard to convince people with morality anchored in something immutable, people with faith, patriots. It's hard to tell them and, and persuade them that, well, you know, the, the family is not necessary. You don't need family. You can go and just, just sleep around, do whatever you want to do around that you have the 73 genders uh, or, or, or the controls, the wealth, they remember how they have being free. So it's hard to convince them to relinquish that freedom. So what do you do? You just, first, you, you just wait. Uh, it isn't so-called normalization. The, the state is getting poorer. Your conditions are getting worse. They know they cannot change your mind because you know what the, the good times. So they just want to wait, wait you out they count on the younger generation to come in, which are already indoctrinated into that perversion, depravity, debauchery, while the older people slowly will fade away. And now we have, a, now what they hope the new generation will come in that have no moral anchors, who have no uh, really uh, uh, anything uh, patriotic in them, and they are easy to manipulate such people. The, when the when family does not exist or is or barely existing, it is easier to to switch people's minds to convince them to do evil things. So this is uh, so this is the sensitization, but also there's normalization. So it, and this is sort of like well understood. Uh, it was well understood behind Iron Cur Iron Curtain but it's not understood at all here. Basically, the poorer you get, the more propaganda you get, how great everything is going. 
and uh, they will try to convince you that economy is great that uh, we are doing fantastic that this is so awesome everything is great and and you just keep repeating it as some people start believing that well i guess the older people who know the difference they are fading away the new generation is being indoctrinated they just accept that so this is like normalization of poverty depravity debauchery and this is the process that some people enemy of the state here would like to implement and would like to to do to attack our children our family values our patriotism uh, uh, turn the patriotism into some kind of a nazi type of uh, 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 organization every patriot will be looked upon like somebody somebody evil so they don't want a patriotism because they don't want you to be loyal to some values that a, a politician has no control of they want you to subscribe to whatever they tell you to do this is how socialism works so well, for us it's important that we don't let our values fade away that we pass these values of freedom to our children and we and this is the most important thing is that we pay attention what our kids are learning at schools we cannot just we no longer with these attacks on our sanity we no longer can just ask our child say how was at school oh good dad okay go play we need to inquire what they learn and correct the the, the depravity the butchery that was thrown on our ch children we need to protect them because you know we, we already know about the, these groups of perverts uh, get taking our children into twerking environment they the, the pole dancing men you know masquerading as a woman with lipstick and wig pole dancing and twerking in front of our elementary school kids that's sick that's perverted and again not to hit on people mentally ill because there are legitimately ill people with so-called gender dysphoria that they really don't identify themselves with their gender but this is mental illness that's no uh but there is a lot of that, that but this is legitimate and you know this is what i love about america the compassion we 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 don't ostracize these people we show compassion you, you don't go and uh, uh, attack people with schizophrenia because they have schizophrenia you show compassion you want to help them right and same thing in this case but those perverts who are attacking women's sports those perverts who are twerking and dancing pole dancing in front of our children those perverts who are frequenting our daughter's bathrooms this is sick. This is, we need to protect our children from this. This is not mental illness. That's perversion. That's right. depravity. You know, that's why my daughter never goes to Target, for example, to the, 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 that stores. That I believe they have a perverted idea of what the woman's bathroom is. She wouldn't feel safe. I wouldn't feel safe with my daughter in that bathroom. So we need to teach people. We need to protect them. And now, you see... So they know the, the the enemies of the states. They know that parents have a big influence, can have big influence on kids, and and can counteract this the, the depravity. So they will try to reenact the laws that will either criminalize parents trying to teach uh, uh, children, protecting children, or uh, they will penalize, or they will. Uh, 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 
uh, the, the, the extreme case would be taking children away from parents who do not accept, do not uh, uh, give in to this perverted gender ideology. Man, yeah, oh, sir. Man, yeah. And as you were describing all those uh, elements, you know, yeah, I, I could, I could see it. You know, I could see it in in the events that we've witnessed throughout our history right now in the U.S. In these past, you know, seven, eight years or so that we've seen this this stuff happen and the stuff that's happening now. Um, but it also, um, it also gives me a lot of, uh, for lack of a better term, I'll say hope, right? Because it's really the mission of what of what we're doing here, right? Instilling values, holding on to objective morality, right? And and defining those values within our family and holding on to those, holding on to our kids, protecting our kids. Um, we talk about, you know, getting them out of the school system because of such uh, things as you described, right? And and it almost seems like they're they're working really hard to divide us and we're working really hard to keep us united. Right. And, and that almost seems like the answer, like we have to keep the family just tight knit and, and, and at the core, right. Of, of, of this, of this battle, like there has to be a united front, a united front on our side. So. Right. I, I think there is more to it. Just that mm -hmm. these perversion, depravity, the attack on our patriotism, faith, our families, this is just yeah. the part of something bigger. I think that um, I think that America is under attack, uh, and this is a different type of warfare. And, yeah. and this is this is not Democrats against Republicans, or so. This is evil against good. This mm -hmm. is good against evil, and that's why uh, we we just must pay attention to it. We must not give in, and we must hold on to the values that we cherish. Don't let somebody tell you that being displaying American flag is evil and is dangerous and is, and instigate violence. The, the, now it tells you right there that this this that individual is really uh, has something up his sleeves, because yeah. you know with new 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 warfare, new generation of warfare, you do not need army storming our beaches or bunch of Chinese dudes parachuting in our land. They will be annihilated very quickly. But imagine, I mean, think for a second, how would you, how would somebody destroy America? How about purchasing a party, purchasing politician here and there and there, mm. and then enacting the laws that will dismantle the country. Right. And then once you get control of this country, you change the laws, and just like it was in Poland or behind the Iron, Iron Curtain in Eastern Bloc, you criminalize any opposition. And then then what? Then people become slaves. Mm. Yeah. Thank so, you for that, sir. I appreciate the answer. Thank you. Yeah, it's really good. And I'm, I'm going to get you guys, too. And Tim Yee was on, and he had his hand up earlier, too, and he had to jump off for a meeting. But it goes right in line with what we're talking about here, too. He's saying, you know, we've he's right in line with us as far as fighting back for this better America. And, and Tim's question is more along the lines of all these things that we see in the news. So, you know, you got Ukraine, you've got uh, obviously now everything going on with, you know, in Israel, uh, you got these global wars. And, and so we got these things to pay attention to over here. And then we've got our own border security, you know, issues over here. You've got the woke ideologies that we're talking about. You've got, these vaccine mandates and these financial mandates, how do we know which part 
is really something to be concerned about? How do we know which part is, a, you know, it's like, how do you discern distraction from the actual war that we are fighting? Or are they all just a part of the same dang thing? If it doesn't sound right, if it, if you feel in your gut that this is wrong, most likely it is wrong. I mean, think about it. Forcing people to take experimental drugs. Mm. What, what does it tell you? you know, and then we have this Dr. Fauci, I say Dr. Mengele Jr. Mm. Uh, 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 we already know that these things are not safe. He still is advocating that. Um, is so, but regardless, forcing people to take a drugs because the government wants you to do it is one of the signs that something is going wrong here. Now, talking about the wars, about the Ukraine. So we are all told about the effective sanction that were imposed on Soviet Union on, on Russia and on Putin. Well, let me tell you this: uh, fleecing few wealthy Russians and stealing their boats. It's not the sanctions. They're not the sanctions. It's a joke. It's just Jimmy to, to show to people that we are doing something. At the same time, paying a dollars directly to Putin for uranium, uh, enriched uranium. This President Biden was very adamant about it, uh, that he that we will continue to pay to Soviet Union, to I mean to Russia. Not not much difference, maybe. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but then Germans are still pumping gas from Russia. What sanctions are they? Are we financing both sides of the conflict? What happened to the money that was sent to Ukraine? These people need more than just just the money. So what happened to that money? Well, nobody knows. Um, so that this is one thing. Now, a party that aligned itself with terrorists slaughtering women and children, like we have Democrats now sending money to Iran, who is organizing and financing it, does it make you sick? That's see, like I, after what I, what I've seen happen in Israel, I cannot even imagine somebody would want to be member of that party. This this disgusting is a disgrace, and I don't even think there's any longer American party. I think this is part of treason and traitors. Agreed. Oh, agreed. Mr. Cardozo, how are you, sir? Hey, go. good. Thank you. Thank you, Mac. Um, okay. Thank you, Drago, again, for being here. Thank you so much. Thank I want to let you know that um, my family loves you, and we're big fans, and we love your podcast. And my wife wanted me to say, especially, she loves your accelerated English lessons that you talk about. <laughs> um, uh. So a lot of these, um, a lot of actually, my I have a, I wrote down a few questions. A lot of them have been answered. Thank you for that. So I'm, I guess I'll lighten the mood a little bit and just see if you have an opinion on this. Um, do you think there's like an ideal kind of economic scenario to raise your children in, or does that even matter? It matters a lot how you how you raise your children. But now, you don't have to be rich to homeschool them. I'm homeschooling kids, and as you hear, my English is not quite perfect. Uh, but my wife, she takes brunt of it. So uh, we are um, we homes. We decide to homeschool our kids after the seventy-three gender ideology show up on the doorstep on our doorsteps, and our kids start learning about that perversion and depravity. So we pull them out. 
but you know i understand that not everybody can do that so this is like i said earlier your job as a parent is re-educate your kids do not let the kids fall into the trap set up by enemies of our state our enemies of the state so we must uh, um, make sure that kids are educated that they learn the right thing and uh, do not let government tell you otherwise they need to learn what they need to learn and especially the the moral values that need to be uh, uh, set for our kids and and teach them that they will learn on their own this is something that kids may eventually maybe can figure out on the on their on their own but parents role is to guide them and we all have to be guides for our children if we see they are being led in the wrong direction uh, into depravity perversion and debauchery this uh, the us parents need to step in and stop it and correct that mm-hmm. Do you think that the these the foundational principles we also homeschool our sons? Um, do you think these foundational principles will stick with them? And then does that make you okay to put them in the university system later on? Or is that? I guess what I mean is it, that it depends what bond you build with your children. If okay. you if you are able to, uh, if you can communicate with your children, if you are, if they see you as a role model. Uh, definitely they will be able to resist better the indoctrination taking place today in our universities, mm. uh, some of the universities in higher education. Now even at schools, this is how perverted it's becoming. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's a, good que- that's a good question, Dan. It's it's definitely something that's worth um, worth everybody kicking around and thinking, you know, I, I remember when we were doing, even just a few years ago, doing the the documentary, one of the things we were seeing was it was n- upwards of 90% of professors at the universities were identifying as far left in their ideology. And that's 90%, even including our so-called conservative and, you know, many Christian schools. And and the system itself, I can tell you from from experience, is is set up in a way to where you know a lot of these organizations you even have somebody if it's not specifically a Christian university, you even have somebody that starts to talk about something like intelligent design. Never mind moving towards a specific designer, just intelligent design. You start risking tenure. You start risking your ability to have a career. So those guys are getting kind of pushed out from an ideological standpoint, you know, and so it becomes this. Uh, it's a it's a scary game and, and it's all the more reason to be wildly right. about where we right. go if you go uh, because we allow entire generation to be indoctrinated into this uh, evil ideologies and now yes those are the results of it but this is again we don't have to uh, uh, agree with it you know America is a beautiful country there is a place for everybody in, in all the all views and uh, and how you want to see the world but uh, also we are parents free to educate our kids the way we want it and if you want to continue on this uh, uh, allow these socialist communists to hijack our country we just need to do nothing but if we if, if america is dear to our heart the freedoms that our forefathers uh, fought for your forefathers fought for fought for uh, uh, we need to educate our kids so again, if you are a role model, if you have a good connection with your child, 
even if he goes to university and meets uh, some pervert, some communist pervert, I call them perverts, uh, 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 he, 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 the child will be able to resist mm-hmm. that uh, 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 skewing his views into the dangerous into the dangerous ideologies. Very much so. Are you okay on time, Mr. Zarin? I want to make sure you're okay. We got to. Oh yeah, I'm okay. Oh, yeah, I'm okay. Sure you're good. Okay. So I'd like to add one more thing. So, please remember too that this is how perverted it can become. So we have entire party now cheering, and and sending billions of dollars to our enemies, to Iran, the enemy, and they finance the terror all over the world. They, I mean, the first. The first chance they have, they they chant death to America. I mean, and then we have a party sending and financing them. Isn't that disgusting? But I mean that if that's not a if that's not a giant freaking warning sign, I don't know what is, Mister T. Hey, thank you so much. Uh, I've, so I, I feel a, a big sense of urgency, like huge sense of urgency. Um, and everything you're describing, I believe, is already happening in America, and it has happened, um, uh, especially with an election year coming up. Um, I don't feel like the last election was where it was supposed to be, and most, you know, there's some evidence for that. And if the next one gets stolen, at what point do we put the flag in the ground and say we're now officially a socialist country, right? Because you're you're talking about educating the kids and this and that. Well, I don't think we have ten years. I don't think we have five years. I think we're at the tail end of a long tail game, and it's it's kind of up to us right now to to step in. So I guess my question is is if if there is a sense of urgency right now, what can I do when I wake up tomorrow? You know what I mean? Again, well, let me tell you this: there is really not much you can do directly. Because there are some people may think about violence, and I urge not to. Uh, the violence is what they want, because the enemy, our enemies, they want violent outbursts that can justify pacification. Remember, uh, they're still in power. So if something like this happened, you will end up just like I end up in, a, uh, in prison, or like these people that are in prison now in Washington, D.C., uh, they were not that violent. They were not even close to what the Democratic Party's uh, uh, brown shirts and the terror groups like Antifa and Black Lives Matter did to some our cities. So, But they were just protesting because they believed that we had fraudulent elections. I don't know. I'm sure there were some irregularities. There is no country in the world that have perfect citizens that do not cheat. Uh, were they fraudulent elections? I don't know. But, you know, it's kind of, um, for me, disturbing that most of the votes that our president got for him that tipped the balance came between 2 o'clock and 4 o'clock in the morning in the middle of the night. So, yeah, this is disturbing. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, we can't, uh, uh, I believe, we. there's really nothing we can back the time, but what we may, uh, what we are be able to do is that this time I think COVID will not play much role in the elections because I think it already played out. So we might be watch out for what else, what next may come up to skew our elections, and hopefully nothing, 
But what if this is terror groups? They are already here, uh, allowed by where President Biden and this Democratic Party fought so hard to let these millions of people inside without any checking. So we know for sure, I can guarantee that we have a terror cells. Uh, I call them uh, President Biden's sleep, sleeper cells because he's the one inviting these people and, and fighting for their access to our country. So what what if we, before elections, the hell breaks loose? And, 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 and think about it. That, that scenario really worries me because I know we have these terrorists in the state poised to strike. It's just a question when. Could be before the elections. That would be pretty disturbing because we then, of course, we could end up with fraudulent elections. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or no, maybe that's... alien invasion. Who knows? You know, maybe something from space. That's right. The, you know, enemies of our states will come up with any excuse to steal elections. So, who knows? Maybe they will just come up with spacemen, <laughs> little green people landing on our planet, trying to take over our country, so they can impose the special uh, martial law or something like that. You know what disturbing to me is when I look in the Washington D.C. and uh, right after these uh, protests, that reminded me. You know, I've, I've I was fighting in Iraq. I have been in Iraq. It reminded me a lot. A green zone. There was a special zone set up for Iraqi government that everybody hated and tried to get rid of these people. So to protect themselves, they set up a green zone, so-called green zone, where we were protecting them. Uh, the, the Iraqi military and also us, U.S. forces were protecting these people. So when I look at the Washington D.C. at the time after these protests, uh, kind of the, you know, it was hard to think differently. No doubt, very concerning. Mr. Shram, get you spotlight. Boom. Thanks, Matt. Sir. Drago, great to meet you. Thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Uh, it's been great listening to you chat. Um, really, a lot of points to take it home. Really appreciate it. Um, I'm just kind of curious. I, I'm looking at the book right behind you. And I'm, I'm curious, what legacy do you hope your book has on future generations? Um, and specifically for me, how can I talk to my children under 10 about it? See, I didn't think much about legacy when I was writing this book. I just, I, that was my way of saying thank you to America for my freedom, for everything that I have. Uh, I wanted this book to, uh, you know, when I talk to friends, to my fellow CLs uh, about my past, the usual reaction was, holy shit, that's really bad. How, you know, and they were they were curious about the communist state, uh, communist party, the socialist state, how it works. But when I was telling my story, my point was that it's not about the bad com- com- communist about bad socialist state. It is about how great America is. Look at the contrast. So, uh, and, and I have to always correct some of my friends that this is, don't look at past there. Look at America. Look how great country we have. There's a lot to fight for. So, um, my idea was to uh, just to, set, to settle that thing. I wanted this book to be used as a prism, as a lens to view America as this awesome, fantastic, beautiful country with beautiful people who uh, 
who you know is just that that, that beacon of freedom for everybody around the world, and um, that's what that's my intention. And of course, as the titles say, that my pledge to America. Uh, <clears throat> when I be- came to America, when I became U.S. citizen, that was my pledge. That's what I told myself: that <clears throat> I will be the best American citizen America can have. I am. I will be better American citizen today than I was yesterday, and I pledge I'll be better American citizen tomorrow than I'm today. Love it. We thank you. Thank you. Beautiful, sir. Mr. Leonard, I know you just had the hand up. Did you did you want to jump in? I want to make sure that you were able to uh make sure you're able to jump in there. Hey, sir. yeah, sure. Thank you. Um thanks, Matt, and thanks, Drago, for your time. Um thank you. I kind of want to just ask a quick, simple question. Um, what advice would you give to well, me, um, being a 27-year-old man here in America um, with no wife, no kids. Um, hope that paints a good enough picture for you. Well, first, <laughs> not to despair, because I found my wife when I was 48. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so uh, but this, you see, this is the thing that is so beautiful in America. In America, you can be whatever you are able to be. You don't have Communist Party looking over your shoulder and, and whispering in your ear that, well, you didn't join the party, so you might not get in the university. We might not be able to get this or that. And this is how you need to go about it. Uh, in, in Like in socialist country, there's always something for something. You, you Basically, you have to sell your soul to communists if you want to live basically good life. Uh, here is the opposite. Here you can be whatever you are able to be, and uh, there is so many things that you can be. You don't. You don't. You know, like I'm. I'm. I'm saying that not what you want to be, but what you are able to be. Because if I want to be astronaut today, I'm 60 years old. That, that wouldn't happen. <laughs> Most likely, not. maybe there is some way to do it, and maybe some scientists could do it. But that, that, but but I can be still whatever uh, I am able to be. I'm software engineer today, but uh, you know, if I want to change my profession, if I want to do something else in America, there is really nothing standing in your way. So mm-hmm. just pick something that you are interested in, and uh, go with it. Don't stop, because. The, the I think that what a lot of people what a lot of people fail is they get discouraged. Surround yourself with people that are positive, basically with who you stay with, what you eventually become. Um, uh, so and keep positive. You know, this this America is such a beautiful place. Again, you can do whatever you want to do as long as you don't hurt, don't 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 hurt. Uh, fellow citizens so kind of what i'm hearing is uh enjoy my freedom is that sound absolutely. right absolutely absolutely you know like you say that you you you, you are single right yes That's what you mentioned so yeah I, I started worrying about it when i was 45 i was at that time i was seal instructor in bats the basic underwater demolition seal training i came back from war after multiple tours to iraq 
And then I find out that the only family I had at the time was my fellow seals. So I was thinking, like, <laughs> I need to find the wife. And uh, so I decided to go after the wife. With help of my fellow seals, I found my beautiful wife. I'm married today, have two kids, and um, I'm a very happy person. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Thank Matt. you for your answer. Yeah, Matthew. I described it, it, it better in my book. I, I think when I went in my book, the, the pledge to America is, I think, is more details about my transition from this from the mil, from civilian world. Well, actually, my transition from being the hoodlum in Poland, a yeah. convict with criminal record, coming to America, becoming American, then joining, picking up the rifle to fight on behalf of America and American people. And then transition from military to civilian world to today. So I, I, I described it in the book much better than I can do. I think I can say. I mean, that's exactly it, though, right? He goes political prisoner to coming to America, to joining, you know, the Navy, to to going through buds and becoming a SEAL and 20 years in the SEALs and then coming out. And now, like you said, software engineer and, you know, and husband and father like that is that is it. It is the decision to forge a path, right? And that's, you know, I like what you said there, Matthew, as far as enjoying the freedom and, and it's more of just the enjoyment of it. I think it is the moral obligation to do something with it. You know, that is that is the difference, right? It's the moral obligation to repay the fact that we have grown up in this with putting something out in the world, creating more than we consume, right? Doing something that is that is worth doing, taking on more responsibility, um, you know, when we can do so. I think that is what we're talking about. And uh, and that's how that's how you end up forging that path. Right. And, you know, like I said earlier, um, I owe everything to America and, uh, and American people. So when people say thank you for your service, I would say, no, thank you for my freedom. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, when you look into it, even like a little bit, think about it, how can you repay freedom? You cannot repay freedom. There's always something else to do. This mm -hmm. is why I got involved in Navy SEALs Fund, okay. uh, not the foundation, Navy SEALs Fund org is a 501c3 charity that we support uh, my fellow seals and this is very kind of unique because in this charity we have no paid positions there's mm -hmm. everything is done on a voluntary basis we have a board of directors that is that is uh, that consists seals only and uh, former retired seals the difference also is that we support every SEAL, regardless if it is uh, pre-9-11, post-9-11, if it is Vietnam era SEAL, or even the organizations, uh, UDTs from before the SEAL mm. era. We do support them. We support people who, unfortunately, had to leave the Navy or military uh, under maybe not so great circumstances. But the way we think we understand that America is fighting the wrong, longest war ever fought. Mostly it is fought by special forces like Green Berets, Navy SEALs, uh, the, the Marines. And there are, uh, the war damages people. There is no one coming out of the war without some kind of damage. So if there are sometimes there are behavioral problems, there are some other problems. 
and our military seems like very quick to just disassociate themselves from these people, kick them out, uh, get, just get rid of them and, and pretend nothing happened. Well, these people end up on the street with no help, a little chance to get a job because the discharge was not honorable or, or some other reasons. So who helps them? We do. We, for us, it doesn't really matter how you left service. If you were a SEAL at one time, you were the guy I could stand shoulder to shoulder and fight the monster and evil. Um, you're good to, uh, you, you are good for us to help you. That's and, awesome. And uh, so we don't make that distinction. What oh, is the bad SEAL? This is a good SEAL. We held them all. That's awesome. Man. And is that, yeah, when... also, please remember too, because we, I hear very often that, yeah, we are monsters. We are evil. We kill people. Yeah, we do, but we kill bad people. And please remember that sometimes, in the times of uh, 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 human race, there are times that the monsters that humans need to fight, they, they can't fight. They need their own monsters. They need their own evil to fight them. So I think we are those monsters, fighting monsters. I'm not a sheepdog. Like some people sometimes like to say, we are sheepdogs. I'm not. I'm wolf hunting wolves, the bad wolves. Mm. Oh. That's powerful. That's a whole nother, uh, man, that's a whole nother conversation in and of itself right there. That's powerful, sir. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's good. Yeah. It reminds me, uh, who was it? I believe it was, uh, Nietzsche said, you know, be, beware of looking to the abyss, lest the, the gaze of the abyss look back into you or something like that. Right. And it's, be, it is, it is being able to, to be that monster to hunt monsters, but still managing the dichotomy of the, of, of, right. And that good guy back at home too, you know, so hard. Right. Oh. You know, most of my, most of the podcasts that I participate, this is, I think, the most serious one. I try to move away from that image of uh, the, the 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 warrior with stone face, sure. just killing bad people and stuff. There's so much more in the life of the Navy SEAL. There's so much more in our lives. We are human beings. Right. just kill bad people but but uh, but otherwise we, we are fathers we are husbands yeah. children and we do a lot of good to right. protect our society from right. these monsters from the evil that's so, right and, uh, and i look more on it like customer service you know the government customer service but that's my right. customers were always wrong and i got to kill them that's right <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard it put so well. Oh my gosh, I love it. Um, no, I mean, my friend, you you are you are absolutely right. Yeah, the monsters are there, but it is great to have the good guy monsters on this side. You being one though, but and it's more you than just scare the bad guys, man. You are you are also mobilizing the good guys. You are reminding people what we're here for. You are reminding us about what freedom really means and how we can show up for our families. Um, you know, show it for our community, show it for our brothers, show it for our country in ways that we need to, 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 to protect what we've got, man. You know, that is it. That is it. Um, what is the, what is the best? We will link obviously the, the site and the book. I want to link navysealfund.org. Um, I want to put the podcast in there too, but as an organization here too, what is the best way we can support you and what you're doing, what you oh. got uh, for me, see, I because I was so heavily censored, yeah, by uh, Facebook, by uh, the uh, these other uh, organizations that I created my own Facebook. 
So I, the, I can be contacted the easiest on connectzing.com. Connectzing, Z-I-N-G.com. So that's that's a side that, you know, they cannot shut us down easily because we own our, I own my own data center. I own my servers. I own my uh, software. Uh, I wrote that's a lot of that stuff. So we don't depend on Google. We don't depend on Amazon. Uh, so uh, it won't have been so easy to do to us what they did to Parler. I love it. And you remember oh. that, 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 uh, Facebook type of uh, Twitter type of uh, 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 social media that was shut down because they didn't like uh, what was being said up there. That's awesome. We'll make sure we put that out there too um, and get that out there in workplace too. So guys, we can see, we can see what's going on here. Uh, Mr. Zarin could not be more grateful uh, for, again, for who you are, for showing up, for pouring into these guys here. Um, it is an honor and, and please, uh, anything that we can do as an organization, myself, Tim, all of these men here, um, very much on your side, sir. So any anything, anytime. Thanks. Thank you so much. Can I just address one thing? Because this is, I think, is important. I've seen yes, the sir. question pop out. What do we do against the monsters we have in our, our country that are taking over our country? Uh, first, I wouldn't count them the monsters because uh, they are, are our fellow Americans. We may not agree with them, but they are still Americans. And we have a laws that we need to enforce. I think this is the best way. Uh, the, the fellow Americans are not our enemies. This is what our real enemies try to create, uh, 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 the, those divisions. But, uh, you know, there's a place for everybody in every view in America. And they are not monsters. They are just our fellow Americans with different views. So we need to make sure that we understand that and we don't uh, we don't carry a war against our own people. Well said, and sir. The Navy SEALs fund, like I mentioned earlier, we don't have any paid positions, everything. So all the funds coming in, 99%, uh, even more than that, goes to the mission because I'm a software engineer, I maintain our IT environment. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the resources are being provided by fellow Navy SEALs who refuse to get paid. They don't want to get paid for it. So our entire board of directors, entire, entire organization, NavySEALsFund.org, nobody is getting paid. This is my kind of badge of honor. I would not have any other way. That's, it does not surprise me. It does not surprise me a bit. Well, sir, you are every bit the the citizen that uh, you have set out to be, uh, truly, and and could not be more could not be more honored and could not be more grateful, truly, for your time. Matt, it was honored to be on your show, guys. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Now taking the step to becoming a great leader of tomorrow. Join the Apogee program by visiting www.apogeestrong.com. For inquiries, contact us 916-728-0606 or email matt at apogeestrong.com. Thank you for listening to Essential 11, Shaping Leaders Among Leaders. Stay tuned for more episodes.